oh, well, you know, I'm going through this mentally, so I'm probably being overdramatic or I'm probably overthinking it or it's probably just my anxiety and things aren't that bad until it really, really became apparent to me that it was that bad. That was Allie Nimmons. Allie Nimmons is a freelance web designer with a unique perspective to my own. She made the transition into freelancing after losing her job, but still needed to make money. We talk about what that's like, as well as how she's been able to hone her offerings based on what her target customers need. We also talk about mental health and what it's like to be black and female in a white male-dominated space. Candidly, this isn't something I normally talk about on the show or otherwise, but I think we cover some important topics. So I don't want to delay that anymore. Uh, We'll get right into the interview, but first, a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Ahoy, the easiest way to increase customer engagement on your WordPress site. Install Ahoy, create a message box, configure where to display it, and start seeing conversions come in. You can create messages for cart abandonment, upsells and cross-sells, custom support, and so much more. Ahoy's flexible conditions let you choose exactly where and when you want your message to be displayed. I've recently installed it on my own WooCommerce site, and I've already seen increased engagement. And I know this because of Ahoy's powerful analytics and reporting. You will see ROI within days of installing Ahoy, if not sooner. And that's even more true for listeners of How I Built It. You can get an exclusive 20% discount on any plan. Visit useahoy.com slash howibuiltit and use the code howibuiltit at checkout. That's useahoy.com, U-S-E-A-H-O-Y, useahoy.com slash howibuiltit and the discount code how I built it. Use those today. Increase your engagement and sales on your WordPress site. Thanks to Ahoy for their support of this show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Ali Nimmons, founder, owner, designer over at Pixel Glow Web Design. Ali, how are you today? I'm great, Joe. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you. Uh, Ali and I met at WordCamp Miami 2019, uh, and we were both talking uh, in the freelance track, helping uh, budding freelancers how to hit the ground running. So um, Ali and I spoke a little bit, and uh, today we're going to talk about how, how you built your freelance career. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So uh, why don't we start off a little bit uh, with uh, who you are and, and what you do? Yeah. So at the moment, uh, I have a, I try to think about it less like freelancing and more like business owning. I feel like there's kind of a point where you sort of make that transition into sort of a more form, formal agreement with yourself, if that makes sense. Um, but I, I, my roots are definitely in freelancing. That's how I started. So, um, I have pixel glow, which is web design for, um, beginner businesses. So businesses who are either just starting out or maybe they've existed for a while, but they've never had a website or they have a really terrible website. Mm. So people who are like really needing that help with that kind of first step into having a really strong um, online presence. And then I have kind of a 
a daughter business to that one called Beam, which is specifically um, for nonprofits. So I've kind of changed up the pricing structure and the the package of what you actually get. So it's a little bit more um, attainable for a nonprofit to reach out and, and get something that they need and can afford. Um, so yeah, I'm focusing on those two things a lot right now. Fantastic. And I, I love what you said there, right? Um, that you are trying to make a more formal agreement with yourself and you say that it's business owning because I think that freelancing the term freelance has a little bit of a negative connotation yeah. uh, for a lot of, I mean, you know, I, I used to tell people I'm a freelancer and they say, you know, well, when are you going to get a real job? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, I'm like, this is a super duper real job. So, um, and, and on the other side too, you know, freelancing it sounds a little bit informal, but when you say I own a business now there's the weight of, Oh, I own a business. Um, yeah. so I, I really like this. You target beginner businesses and nonprofits. Um, so if I can ask, um, do you have any processes in place to um, streamline things a little bit, right? Because, uh, you know, the, uh, I know people who like to target like specifically bigger businesses because the budget is there. Mm-hmm. Um, with beginner businesses and nonprofits, um, nonprofits, it's not always the case that there's the budget's not there, but they're usually budget conscious. Um, are yeah. there things that you can do uh, quickly and efficiently for them to keep costs down? So th- with Beam specifically, what I the reason that I made it an entirely separate entity is because I felt like when a nonprofit would approach me in the Pixel Glow you know, relationship and they wanted a site, there was a lot that had to be decided upon, right? And so it, it, a lot of times you have people who are either uh, volunteers or they started a nonprofit because they had a great idea, but they don't really have an eye for business or marketing. So they aren't the most, um, I would say like educated consumer about what it is that they actually need. So I did a ton of research. I talked to a ton of nonprofits. I surveyed a bunch of people and I basically have a singular package within Beam. So you don't have to decide, you know, how many pages do I need? Which pages do I need? What sort of functionalities am I going to need? Um, and then risk kind of spending the, the board's money on things that you don't end up using. Mm-hmm. The package is a specific number of pages, a specific number of functionalities, which you can always build upon if you want to. But it's, you know, one thing, one price, and then the real like customization power comes in at, okay, you have a services page, but what actually goes on that services page? Or you have a uh, like volunteering page, but what specifically as pertains to your nonprofit needs to be on that page. So I tried to just trim a lot of the fat as far as like decision-making, honestly. And yeah, make it answer a lot of the questions before I even have to ask them um, so that they can feel a little bit less intimidated. There are a lot fewer decisions that have to get made and they end up with a more targeted site than they might have had previously. That's great. I, uh, I absolutely love that because you're right. Um, a lot of um, nonprofits uh, start because they're very passionate about this cause, mm-hmm. but they necessarily don't have the business or marketing background. And so um, the fact that you offer like a singular package here uh, is, is very cool because you're right. The fewer decisions they have to make, um, the, the more smoothly the project will go. Exactly. Um, now, you said you did a ton of research here, and I, I'm curious. You said you spoke to 
a lot of nonprofits. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what was that like? Did you have like a survey that you sent or did you have a more casual conversation? Was it online or in person or, or over the phone? Yeah, I, uh, I just scoured a bunch of Facebook groups, honestly, for nonprofits. And I was kind of... I, I sort of hated it. I was kind of that annoying person who was who was in these Facebook groups who didn't actually own a nonprofit, but I was trying to reach out to people. Um, so I would sort of, you know, try and answer questions as best as I could within the actual group and make connections with people and then reach out and say, hey, I'm glad I could, you know, answer this question for you or clarify the question you offered to the group. I'm actually doing some research. Would you mind? And yeah, I had a like a Google form survey uh, that I had that was completely anonymous Um, And they could just fill that out and answer questions about, you know, what it is they prioritized um, as far as their marketing, their websites, if they already had a website or if they imagined getting one, what would be their most important goals and and factors and things like that. So, yeah, I, I mostly just I spent like I tried to spend at least like 20 minutes a day in the handful of Facebook groups that I joined and just trying to send as many messages to people that I could and I got somewhere between like 100 and 150 responses which there are definitely more thorough surveys out there um but for just being me and just reaching out individually one-on-one to people I was really pleased with that data set of it's like 130 something responses that I got yeah that's great and I mean that's uh, at least to me that's plenty of information (laughs) to go off of um but there was something important that you said there, right? You joined these Facebook groups and then you answered questions. So it's not like you were just there going like, hey, do you need a website? You were actually yeah. adding value to the group, right? Exactly. Because that's, the, I, I mean, I hate that. I find it to be incredibly disingenuous. And like, I, that is kind of my primary networking space is, is mm-hmm. Facebook groups because I am very much an introvert. I don't love going out to, to, to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there are always there's always that person who's just in there to hawk their services or in there to, you know, just further their own kind of goals without actually having a community type of give and take focus on it. And even though I knew I was in that Facebook group to further my goal, I you just kind of I feel like you just have to do that. You have to provide something in return. You can't just ask people, even if it's just for an anonymous survey, like you can't ask people to give you some sort of value without offering anything up in return. So I just didn't want to be that person that people looked at and was like, you know, she's just here, uh, you know, messaging people all the time and she's not actually participating. And a couple of people did get kind of annoyed with me. Mm-hmm. Um and they didn't like that I was asking people to fill out a survey. And, and I was able to kind of point to that and say, right. you know, I have been participating. Right. And if you don't want to help me, you don't have to. I, I That's totally fine. And, you know, I think because of that, I managed not to get kicked out of any of those groups because the, the kind of mods and admins saw that I wasn't just there to be obnoxious. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, at the end of the day, those Facebook groups are there for because people are seeking help with their business, right? It's not yeah. like. It's not like another nonprofit would be like, oh, this guy, all he does is ask questions. He doesn't answer them. Yeah. Um, that's what the group is there for. And and the fact that you're not just there marketing yourself, the fact that you're there helping people and then saying like, hey, uh, maybe you could help me out. Um, yeah. I, I think that's totally reasonable. Um, so, uh, so it sounds like you found a couple of pretty good niches or niche, niches, depending <laughs> on uh, who wants to pronounce it. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm curious as to 
did you always have those decide? Like, did you know moving into your freelance career that you wanted to target these groups specifically, or at first were you like more of a generalist? Oh yeah, not at all. Um, I, I was definitely a, you know, anyone who will hire me type of person. Um, and I mean, I started freelancing not even necessarily by choice. I was working at an agency locally and um, I, I'll just say I left. There's mm-hmm. kind of, kind of an, a debate about firing versus quitting, but I, ha- I had to leave without giving any notice basically. Okay. Okay. Um, and so I was like 22 I didn't suddenly didn't have a job. I didn't have anything saved. I didn't have a car because I lived uh, about a mile from where I worked. So I would just walk every day and I had actually sold my car for money. So, and I was in a town that was a, I was living in Boca Raton. So if you know anything about Boca, it's very affluent. uh, And there's a, a fairly large university. FAU is there. And so I could, it was really hard for me to find something locally that, you know, the closest thing within walking distance that I could potentially apply to was like a Wendy's. And I was like, I'm not going to, I don't want to work at Wendy's. So I was like, okay, I have this, this knowledge and these skills that I've gained at this agency. I could start selling that. So I started, you know, building websites for my friends and family for like $200 and, you know, building up a portfolio until I could actually get clients who had never met me before. And that's really how I started. So definitely at the beginning, it was like out of desperation. I was like, I just need clients. Um, And I really started, I didn't really have a niche until I had enough, I'd had enough work that I could look at my work and say, okay, who actually is hiring me? Because I think it's one thing to decide you want to work with a certain sort of person versus the people that actually want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I realized that the majority of my clients, the majority of my clients who our projects ended very, very successfully, who I did a really good job with, who would rehire me for extra services were women between the ages of, well, I would say like 40 plus who okay. were either their, you know, their own boss, like had their own businesses or worked at nonprofits. So that just seemed like a no brainer to start targeting those specific kinds of people. Um, and so when I actually joined the board of a nonprofit for whom I did a site for, I was like, okay, I seem to really like this nonprofit thing. And I decided to kind of branch out and, and specifically target nonprofits with the individual business, just because I'm sure if you've, if you've, like run a business and are marketing to a specific type of person and then you decide to market to an entirely different mindset it's like virtually impossible to like do that effectively so I figured having two businesses would allow me to market to one cleanly and directly and then do the same on the other side with the other one this episode is brought to you by Pantheon Starting a new project? Looking for a better hosting platform? Pantheon is an integrated set of tools to build, launch, and run websites. Get high-performance hosting for your WordPress sites, plus a comprehensive toolkit to supercharge your team and help you launch faster. On Pantheon, you get expert support from real developers, best-in-class security, and the most innovative technology to host and manage your websites. You can sign up a new site in minutes with a free account. You only pay 
when it goes live. That is my second favorite feature to Pantheon, only to the easy ability to create dev staging and live servers and push to GitHub. It's very easy to set those things up on Pantheon. So you can head over to Pantheon.io today again to set up a free account. Pay only when it goes live. Thanks so much to Pantheon for their support of this episode and this season of How I Built It. I think a lot of freelancers do try to be the generalist. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, when you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody. And when you set up a site, you want to make sure that you're using the language that your potential customers uh, also use, right? You want to say, I know you, I Mm -hmm. know your problems and I can solve your problem. Exactly. And so like, if you, if you even just visit my two different websites, I think that's really apparent, or at least I hope it's very apparent that I'm talking to two very different types of people. Um, and the, the, the products that I offer are very different. Um, and that's extremely intentional because I do want to make, I want to be able to really be specific not even with just the marketing, but with the actual services and the processes themselves to give the experience that's necessary for each type of person. Yeah, absolutely. And and to that point, so it sounds like you your successful projects, you said, were women over 40 um, who were running a business uh, themselves and nonprofits. Um, would you say that like you also were able to uh, kind of be in their mindset, right? Because it's it's one thing to say, like, I'm going to make a website for anybody. But if mm-hmm. if somebody uh, comes to me and they're like, I have a construction uh, company and I need you to make a website, I don't know anything about construction companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to have to like lean on my client for that. But if somebody comes to me and they're like, yeah, I need a website for a podcast. I'm like, yeah, I podcast. I could totally, yeah. I know exactly what you need. Um, do you think that um, the successful projects were the projects that you had domain knowledge in, I guess is the question I'm really asking. Yeah, that's such a good point. I never really thought about it too much like that, but I think I think that there is definitely truth in that, where like the, just the projects that float to the top of my mind, um, yeah, we, d- we did have like similar experiences as far as starting up whatever it was we were doing. Um, I'm trying to think if there's like a specific example but yeah, most of them are like online service providers, right? So not a lot of, not a ton of shops or like product based businesses, but a lot of people, you know, online providing a service to somebody else. So yeah, I would definitely say that that similarity in, in like priorities, as far as when we're thinking of our business, what's like the most important things, right? So I think that yeah. similarity, um, yeah, definitely made a difference and made a connection where there might not have otherwise have been one because I'm 27, right? Yeah, mm. I'm turning 27 <laughs> in a couple months. I forget. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just, it is really funny that I think of my my best clients, the ones I'm closest with, the ones, you know, who I've even started like a personal friendship with. And they're all women who are older than me who some of them could be you know are are as old as my mom and Mm -hmm. so yeah I think that 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 definitely is a is a connecting factor is the you know ladies who've who've struck out on their own and started their own thing yeah awesome and I I, and again I mean that makes a lot of sense to me as somebody who's been trying to straddle the services business and the product business I was Mm -hmm. like yeah this will be I'll just make a website and I'll sell my courses and it'll be great but they're two totally different Mm -hmm. worlds and like now looking back, I'm um, almost 34. Uh, 
looking back in my mid twenties, you know, I got hired for like an e-commerce site and I focused mainly on the tech stack and not on helping them sell their products. Yeah. Um, so those were, I mean, I wouldn't say they were unsuccessful because the client was happy with the website they got, but it, they weren't as successful as they could have been had mm-hmm. I known what I was doing in their space. Yeah, for sure. That so, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So uh, your story is really interesting. And I think it's probably one that resonates with a lot of freelancers. Um, you had a job and then you were suddenly without that job and you still had this skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even if people are still trying to find a full-time job in between that in-between phase, you can still use your skills to generate income while you're unemployed. Um, in your case, you made it a full-on business and it sounds like you're doing very well for yourself. Uh, what, what steps did you take to build that business? Like, like take me from, let's say the day after you were suddenly without a job till mm-hmm. uh, the day you landed your first maybe non-friends and family website. What did you do to build that business? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I pr- well, I will, I will definitely preface by saying that I didn't do a lot of the things that I know that I should have done. And I think I would be a lot further along if I had done a lot of things that I, I should have done, but I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of looking at other sites even sometimes I would like, I would find a site, even just a site that I was looking at just for personal reasons. And I'd be like, wow, I really like that. And so I would build it and I would just try to replicate everything that they did. And if I like ran into a problem, I would research it and try to figure out how they accomplished what they accomplished and just tried to like build, build my knowledge and my know-how that way. Um, because I knew that I, I just knew that con- continuously building things was just going to make me a better designer. Like I remember somebody once said to me, like, it doesn't matter if you're published, if you write, you're a writer, or if you paint, yeah. you're a painter, you know? So I knew that if I, w- if I designed a lot, I would become a designer sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I just tried to design as much as I could, like watch as many like online YouTube tutorials as I could. And yeah, just design things for my friends and my family. Like I designed a bunch of actor websites because I actually majored in high school in theater. And so a lot of my friends were actors who needed, you know, just a kind of a simple resume website. Um, I built an e-commerce site for my mom, which was a huge challenge. Um, Building your, I feel like building your first e-commerce website by yourself with no know-how of Mm. how that actually works is, oh man, was it stressful. Um, So it was really just diving straight in. And a lot of the things, like I said, that I know that I should have done, I didn't have very strong contracts. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of figured out things like invoicing and bookkeeping as I went. Um, I realized after a year that, oh, I was supposed to be putting money away for taxes. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do that. So it was making a lot of mistakes I will say is is like that first year I think it was it was probably about a good year before I got a decent you know client who had never met me before but who hired me for a site um I was doing a lot of like side work in terms of like I would write SEO optimized blog posts on Fiverr because that was something that I learned how to do at my agency job and it was somewhat web design related so I was doing that Um, 
And it was that my, my focus was just building my portfolio was building a body of work because I knew that nobody would hire me unless they could actually see something that I'd done and that they liked it. So there were things that I built that, uh, are completely gone. Like the business business has closed because whatever friend I had, you know, stopped doing whatever they were doing. There were things I built that were just terrible that have never seen the light of day, but I was able to <laughs> cultivate, you know, a, a small, um, you know, a little body of work. It was like four or five sites that I was really proud of that I was able to start showing off. And I think it's interesting and something that I'm weirdly proud of that even though I've only been in business for, I think three years, none of my first original sites are still in my portfolio. Wow. Actually, one is. One is still in my portfolio, but it was super crazy simple, and so it actually looks nice. Nice. <laughs> um, but I've, I feel like I've been able to grow enough that I could just sort of say, okay, you know, that was, that was my old stuff that nobody needs to see, and I can show off a lot of the better stuff. Um, so, yeah, building it, the building of it was building the portfolio and at the same time building my own skill as a designer, as somebody who, who works with WordPress to, to learn WordPress. Um, and a lot of that did come from the inspiration that I got from the first WordCamp that I went to because the agency I worked at sent me to, it was WordCamp 2016, was it? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was WordCamp 2016. In case you haven't noticed, I'm very bad with dates. <laughs> um, but I, I remember going to that WordCamp and seeing um, so many amazing people, some of whom were, you know, at WordCamp 2019 and yeah. thinking like, I have to just keep designing and keep building things until I can get to that point, until I can get to where these people are. Um, which... I feel like I'm rambling now, but it's such a, um, I feel like as far as building things, when you're at the beginning, you decide on things that you want to build that don't actually mean anything. So that like me comparing myself to all of these speakers was great in terms of the like inspiration that I got, but was again, didn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. Like everyone, I had no idea where all of these people were in their careers really, or where they were personally. And the fact that I've now spoken at two word camps, I'm still not where a lot of people are, but it doesn't matter so much because I've built something sustainable for myself that I can be proud of. So a lot of it was also building that kind of self-awareness and that sort of, you know, not comparing my own experiences to what other people are choosing to show, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think that's such a great point, right? Because you see somebody up on stage and they're talking about their successes and you're like, man, this person's just really successful. I'm never going to get there. Yeah. Um, part of the reason that I started this podcast is because I wanted to hear the stuff that you just talked about, right? Like the, I didn't do things the way I should have. I started in high school and I definitely, like I didn't, I was 15, like, and now that I'm 33, I know how dumb 15 year olds can be. <laughs> um, and so I was just like, yeah, I'll make a website and it'll be great. And, and I didn't know I needed to save for taxes. Uh, I used Excel for invoicing and keeping track of numbers like that. I knew cause I was a nerd, but, <laughs> um, 
I think like I think you made a lot of really good points here, and uh, the the next couple of points I want to I want to make sure I I approach tactfully. Um, mm-hmm. One is I did start freelancing in high school and I did it through college, um, and I I ran into uh, a few where it was like, well, you're just a kid, like why should I charge you or why should I pay you? Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew I was good, but I have these preconceived notions because I wasn't like uh, an adult, right? Um, yeah. A lot of the people in this field today look a lot like me. I'm a 33-year-old white male. Um, what was it like um, What was it like in, in that sense, uh, kind of moving into your own freelance uh, career and, and starting your own business? Yeah, that's a really great, great topic. Um, that I think about a lot. Um, the funny thing is that the, so the agency that I, that I started off at, um, I was by far the youngest person there. Um, so there was, I actually did first more than I think anything else I did encounter a similar thing to you of like, I was the youngest person there. So my opinion didn't matter as much. Um, and I, you know, I was allowed to make, you know, suggestions or, or contributions, but, you know, people would just kind of smile and nod their head and be like, oh, yeah, that's that's kind of a cute idea. And then it would never, you know, be be implemented. Yeah. And I think that was something that was more apparent to me, that was more obvious to me, is it just that I kind of wasn't being taken very seriously. And I was I was always just sort of being treated like you know, the kid's sister. Like I had a supervisor that, that would refer to me as like her work daughter. And I just, from the beginning, I kind of felt like that was inappropriate and kind of condescending. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, a large, large portion of why I left there was just the sort of emotional, I will say abuse that, that took place as far as not respecting my boundaries, not respecting my feelings and being made to think that, oh, well, this is the real world. This is a professional environment. So we don't, we don't have to think about your feelings. You know, that's for right. children sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was what was most apparent and in my face. What I think has been a lot more under the surface is the, the you know, male versus female thing mm-hmm. or Obviously, we've met, but people listening may not know. I am African American. Yeah. Um, I am. I have the privilege of being a light skinned. Um, I I speak very what kids would say white when I was in school. Everyone told me that I spoke white. Yeah. So I do. I have been lucky enough to be able to surpass a lot of the challenges that darker skinned women or women from particular parts of the country who don't sound like me would have experienced. Um, and it's more, I, I've, I've been lucky enough that I've never encountered all in out racism or all in out sexism within this sphere, but it exists in all of the small ways that add up over time. So when I was starting off, even before the agency job I got and I started teaching myself to code, um, I couldn't find, I didn't know of any resources or any mentors or any people that I could look up to who looked like me. Um, it was just a very, I think everyone kind of can kind of agree when you think of the tech space, when you think of like Silicon Valley, 
it's it's a specific person that you think of mm-hmm. a specific type of person so just knowing that like just knowing that i was stepping into i was stepping out of theater which typically is a very inclusive space mm-hmm. yeah. your your differences are what might make you attractive to somebody who's who's looking to hire you um i knew that there was going to be struggle as far as what i looked like point blank um so the 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 challenge has really come in as far as the mindset as far as there are people who i've met um who look like you who just didn't take me seriously who you know i'm i'm ready I'm, i want to have a conversation about wordpress or coding or you know whatever the case may be i mean even like things like video games like i'm really into video games and people hear that and they kind of look at me sideways and they're like yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. fine. You've, you know, you've played Mario Kart. Fine. <laughs> and it's, it's this very subtle, but kind of constant thing of like going to, you know, trying to reach out to other spaces or other resources and just the kind of like, okay, well, it's a bunch of white guys, which is fine. White guys have a lot to contribute to the world, but it just, over time, it really gets disheartening, especially when you're freelancing and it gets very lonely it's extremely tough to feel like you can't find your tribe, for lack of a better word. You can't find your peeps, um, which is why I think I fell in love with WordCamp Miami so completely. Um, because for those who are listening and may not know, this past WordCamp, we reached, we surpassed more than 50% of female speakers for that conference. And that was so huge to me. Um, yeah. I don't know if you went to the the talk where that Josepha Hayden came to um, to talk to us, but I didn't even know she existed. And so to see uh, an an Asian woman as like the head of WordPress, as as the head and the kind of the leader of the technology that we work with, like I was practically in tears. It was just so inspiring. But it just sucks that that inspiration is so few and far between. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up cause I, I wanted you to make these points. Uh, 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 you know, I've, I've been trying to be cognizant of the ratio of the guests I have on, on this show, because at first it was very, well, it was, I'll put it this way, right. It was my tribe and my mm-hmm. inner circle yeah. and a lot of my inner circle looked like me. Cause those are the people that I relate to. Yeah. Um, you know, I, now that I have a daughter, I'm, I'm more cognizant of, you know, are there people that she can look up to that, um, that she might be able to relate to better than me. Right. right. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm glad that we, well, I'm glad that you talked about this a little bit because, um, it is, it's something that is, uh, I know it's, out there in the WordPress space. I think the WordPress space tries very hard to make sure that there's good representation. Um, I'm the lead organizer of WordCamp Philly and something that we try to do is make sure that, um, you know, that all groups are represented in speaking and attending and things like that. Um, yeah. And the- that's so important not to, to cut you off, but just like the, the fact that you are doing that and that you are cognizant of it is, is extremely important. I, I attended, um, the Grace Hopper celebration last year in like August. Um, 
And basically, it's a giant women's tech conference. The, the point is for it to be a space for women. And there were thousands of people there. It was enormous. It was like the biggest single gathering of people, of human beings that I've ever attended. Wow. And it, it was you know, pretty much 100% women. I, I saw a scattering of, of male individuals there who I believe were actually either like there with sponsors or something like that. And while it was fantastic and I'm glad that it exists and I hope that it continues, I have nothing bad to say about it. Um, I prefer something like WordCamp and I prefer interactions like the one we're having now because it bugs me when people of color are just sort of like, you know, we need to have our entirely separate own thing and we can only talk to each other or we can only interact with each other about about things and that is the exact like opposite of equality like it doesn't yeah. really it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me so like the idea of you know WordCamp having been at first we thought it was 50 50 male to female and I thought I think we found out it was like 54 to, to 40 yeah. something yeah um the I'll fact that, that we the yeah the fact that we had a, a, an even, relatively even mix seems so much healthier to me than just saying like, this is only a space for this sort of person because oh, then only one sort of person is experiencing any growth. Like for for me to go to a conference and feel empowered and, and happy and, and all those things for being around all these women, it just affects me. Whereas for us to go to something like WordCamp and for you to make an effort with with your WordCamp to be more inclusive, everyone is affected by that. So I just, long story short, I, I like hearing about people who look like you um, also being part of the conversation because it's something that affects all of us. Right, yeah. And, and you know, it's um, may, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm different than other people who look like me, but I feel it's probably, there's a lot of subconscious, right? Mm -hmm. And, and unless we're told um, or unless we see, uh, you know, a, a good mix and, and everybody being included uh, explicitly, um, you know, you can't break a bad habit if, uh, if you don't approach that habit, I guess, or if you don't um, confront that habit. Yeah, so it's learned behaviors. We can't, we can't yeah. always put ourselves at fault for, for learned behaviors, but yeah. we also have to be open to growth and open to change and open to realizing that certain learned behaviors need to be unlearned. And we are capable of doing that as, as right. human beings. So we should be open yeah. to it. Absolutely. Um, I've, I've experienced the opposite as well. I'm a cigar smoker <laughs> and uh, I go to cigar shops and, and cigar shops are basically where old guys hang out. Um, <laughs> and I brought my wife to one one time because she thankfully uh, at least tolerates uh, this bad <laughs> habit of mine. Um, but like we got, you know, we got the side eye a little bit. Like like the guys there, one guy made a joke, oh, we don't really like girls around these parts. And he's like, I'm kidding. And it was very obvious he wasn't kidding. Yeah. Um, and like we were engaged or just newly married at the time. And he was talking about like how he had two failed marriages and like, don't get married. And I was just like, maybe you have like failed marriages because you talk the way you do. Um, like maybe it's not, maybe it's not marriage. Like maybe it's yeah, you. Um, that, I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, 
I, I always, I always feel uncomfortable if I bring my wife to a cigar shop where it is, where the clientele kind of shift and they're like, oh, there's, there's a, a woman here now. Like we can't act the way we want to act. Mm-hmm. Um, versus this one great cigar shop in Scranton where we met, um, where she loved it. I loved it. It was just, it was just a fun place to hang out and there happened to be cigars. So, um, Anyway, that was a little bit long and rambly. I just like to tell that story. Um, and, <laughs> That's a good story. <laughs> um, where we are like, we're going over time, but there is oh. another thing I wanted to talk to you about because you okay. mentioned, um, you know, seeing WordCamp speakers and, and them talking about their successes and not really know what's going on personally and professionally. Um, Corey Miller, from uh, formerly of iThemes, uh, the founder of iThemes, gives a fantastic talk about mental health where he talks about the iceberg. And the mm-hmm. iceberg is what you see above the water. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, but there's this whole mess of stuff underneath the water that nobody sees. And mm-hmm. um, I know that at the freelance workshop at WordCamp uh, Miami, where we met, uh, that, that came up a bunch of times. Um, mm-hmm. So how did you, being 22, suddenly without a job, starting a business, like starting a business is so stressful. How did you, how did you maintain your mental health or... Um, you know, without getting, getting only as personal as you want to get, um, how did you realize that it was something that you need to, that we as freelancers need to be mindful of? Um, that's a really good question. And I'm going to try to keep it brief because I could, I could really talk about this for a long time. Um, but I had been struggling with, with mental health issues for a long time. I was bike, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in college. So it was something that I struggled with when I was at my job. Um, and it was interesting because so much of that job, I I should have left a long time ago, but I kind of attributed a lot of it to, oh, well, you know, I'm going through this mentally. So I'm probably being overdramatic or I'm probably overthinking it, or it's probably just my anxiety and things aren't that bad until it really, really became apparent to me that it was that bad. Um, And so after I quit, you know, I didn't, that didn't go away. You know, the, the depression and the anxiety didn't disappear. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be perfectly frank, I wasn't really dealing with it. I was just trying to get through every single day of just trying to stay alive and trying to stay afloat. Um, And it was probably one of the worst times in my life because I was incredibly alone. I didn't live near any of my friends. Um, and it was really, really very scary. Um, and I think most of the work that I've done on myself mentally has come a lot more recently. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's the, the habits, um, being nice to yourself, which is such a difficult thing to do when you, I kind of think about it like, I don't know how into Harry Potter you are, but (laughs) um, (laughs) the Dementors were always something that really got me. And I mean, she, she wrote them based off of her own depression. And for anybody who doesn't, who, who may not know what, clinical I will say depression feels like I feel like everyone gets depressed. Sometimes everyone gets sad. Everyone goes through crappy things. Sure. Clinical depression when your brain is physically not making the chemicals you need to feel okay with yourself 
that is what a Dementor is like. Um, It's just this unexplicable, unexplainable darkness and Mm -hmm. and despair. It's not even sadness. It's just absolutely just wanting to give up. Um, When that comes, you just feel the need to kind of lean into it. Mm -hmm. And you just have to not like, it sounds so simple, but it's so hard. You just have to lean the other way. Um, and, and focus on the things that are good. Um, even if that means not working that day, even if it means, you know, putting aside something that you know, you should be doing maybe, but you know that it's not going to, uh, it's not going to help. Um, and I'm not, I'm not in any way qualified to coach anybody on, on dealing with mental illness. If you're dealing with any of this type of stuff, you should get as much help, professional help as you possibly can. Um, but you don't always have access to that. And that was one of my big problems is I was medicated in college. And so I was able to have more of a balance. And when I left college, because I realized I hated it. Um, I lost access to that and I haven't been able to regain access to that. So in the interim, when you cannot get the, 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 the professional help that you need, it's all about building positive habits. And it's about um, knowing yourself, being, being familiar with your own patterns, being familiar with your own triggers, because something like bipolar disorder, you don't necessarily have triggers all the time. It's, it, it can be incredibly random. But I've noticed that there are things that will trigger me. So a perfect example is something like WordCamp. When I partake in something that's very high emotion and I'm moving around talking to people a lot, um, when I achieve any sort of emotional high, I will immediately have a low, like mm-hmm. clockwork. I will, I will crash. Um, so I remember the last word camp I went to in 2017, I, was, I didn't go in 2018 because I was afraid of the crash that would happen afterward. Gotcha. Um, and this year I just, I felt like I had to go. I was, I was already in a kind of a dark place and I knew that it would make me feel better to go. And so I went and I was like, okay, the Monday afterward, is not going to be a good day. And so I didn't work. I didn't check my email. I sat on the couch. I watched the entirety of the season, new season of uh, Queer Eye on Netflix. Nice. I cried for however many hours that season is. (laughs) Um, And I got ahead of that emotion and I got that out of me. And I was able to go full steam ahead into work again on Tuesday. And I had a fantastic week. So... It takes a lot of time and patience and talking about it with people. Journaling is really great. It's not something that I'm super good at, but journaling and and so that you can keep track of your own patterns and habits and get all of that stuff out of you to make room for putting good things in is extremely important. So that's a very long way of, of, of saying that I feel like, but, um, yeah, it's it's it takes time as well. I'm still not in a place that I'd like to be. I'm still not in the best place in the world, but it's definitely a one day at a time sort of thing. This episode is brought to you by Creator Courses. Do you feel confused and overwhelmed by the amount of tools to help you build websites? Are you worried that you are not using the best tools for the job? 
Do you feel like you ought to spend more time building and less time researching? Like you, I thought I needed to learn every tool, language, and platform under the sun to be a good web professional. And as somebody who's been doing this for 17 years, I can now tell you, you don't. Creator Courses offers short, focused courses, tutorials, and webinars to help you learn the right tools quickly. Then you don't have to waste any more time researching and you can get back to producing billable work, confident that you've made the right choice. And now you can access all of those resources by becoming a Creator Courses member. You'll be able to take any course we offer, including member-exclusive mini-courses on how to use specific tools. You'll also join a great community. And listeners can get 15% off the already low price by going to creatorcourses build. Spend less time researching and more time building. Visit creatorcourses.com build today. Two follow-up questions as we close out the show. Um, one is silly and one is more serious. So I'll do <laughs> okay. the more serious one first. Okay. Um, for what, what do you recommend for people um, who who might want to help uh, who are with people who are struggling for mental health, right? Uh, I, I know I personally can't really empathize um, with some of the feelings that you described because I'm lucky enough to have never experienced them. Um, and I'm, I'm certain that put in the wrong, in, in uh, a situation like this, I would react uh, poorly or not, not poorly, <laughs> but I would do things that might be seem intuitive to me, but are actually counterintuitive. So what do you recommend for, for uh people who are on the outside who, who want to help? That's a really good question. Um, ask questions. Mm. Ask, ask the person who is not doing so well, what can I do? You know, what do you need? What would you like? Um, I remember one of, one of the things that I would hate is people kind of asking me the wrong question. So asking like, what's wrong? Right. When I don't know what's wrong, that's why I'm yeah. upset, right, right, you know, right, yeah. um, things like that. Um, and, and what's, what's great is that my, my boyfriend, we've been together now two and a half years and I've kind of, for lack of a better word, trained him on <laughs> the sort of things yeah. to say and not to yeah. say when I'm feeling this way. And, you know, if he can say, what do you need? I can either kind of say, you know, I want to be left alone I want company. Mm. I want to go out. I want to stay in. I want to go get ice cream. I want to watch. Like I can kind of, it, it, it forces me to think for myself about what I do actually need. That would help. Right. Um, sometimes Whereas, yeah. it's, yeah, sometimes it's literally just sitting there and being quiet. Yeah. Um, what I would say is, is try to avoid, unless the person actually says that that's what they want, try to avoid things like, you know, why are you so sad? You're so great. Or you have this and you're like that and you have no reason to like, that is to me personally is like the worst thing right. ever because that then just makes that person feel guilty, which they are probably already feeling. Right. Um, yeah. And, it's, and, that's almost like having like kids gloves on, right? Like if you're yeah. like, if your child's having a bad day, you're like, Oh, don't worry, buddy. Like you're great. That's not the same thing as what you're describing right now. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, just listening. I mean, my, my mom is one of my absolute best friends and it's taken her a little while to sort of understand what's been going on with me. Mm -hmm. um, she's just kind of raised in a time where this sort of thing isn't 
not even necessarily talked about, but right. just even thought about. And so right. she did something really, really amazing for me recently where um, my a, a family member who I don't didn't really know very well passed away. And um, when my dad called her to tell her about it, she knew that I had just, I was at WordCamp at the time. And so she told him to wait until, you know, well after before telling me in case I was in like a low period. So she was able to, from the things I've told her, has been able to kind of anticipate what was best for me and my mental state, which was like incredibly moving to me. So it's it's listening when they are in whatever mood that the person is in, whether they're depressed or anxious or whatever the case may be, but also talking about it when they're feeling more balanced because right now I'm having a great day, I feel fine, and I can talk about it a lot easier. So if you know somebody who is going going through anything like this, don't just talk to them about it when it's happening, mm-hmm. but try to talk to them about it when they're feeling better so that you can have a better understanding once they come out of it what it was like. Yeah. That's uh that's fantastic advice. That's advice that I will be able to apply to my own everyday life oh, as I'm I'm a problem solver and so when my wife is bothered by something I'm like, "Well, here's how we fix it." And she's like, yeah. "Can you just say that sucks?" Uh, like, I'm like, <laughs> that's Sorry. exactly right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> sometimes uh, sometimes the problem doesn't need to be fixed. We know right. what the problem is. Yeah. We just need to live in the problem for a minute and we'll right. get through it. We just need that that support. Yes, absolutely. So, uh thank you uh, Ali, so much for your time today. I do need to ask my, oh, uh, the silly question, the uh, mm-hmm. quote unquote silly. What video games do you like to play? Oh I gosh. forgot to ask okay. this earlier. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so I just finished, what's the game I just finished? I just recently finished the new God of War. Oh man, is it good? Dude, it's amazing. Uh, oh I'm my like, gosh. I don't, I always used to like bum off my brother's PlayStation, but now he lives in Florida and I live in Pennsylvania. So I'm like, should oh I buy a PlayStation gosh. just for yeah. God of War? <laughs> buy a PlayStation just for God of War. It's uh. amazing. Um, I mean, my favorite games of, uh, I'll just list some of my favorites because I haven't, I haven't been playing for that long. My boyfriend really got me into them. Nice. Um, God of War was fantastic. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn was amazing. Um, I have a lot of feelings about Final Fantasy 15. I think it's a terrible game, but I love it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to explain that. It's a terrible yeah. game, but I absolutely love it. Um, there's this really weird Japanese RPG called Nier Automata, okay. which if you want something really like ce- cerebral and like philosophical with ridiculously awesome like gameplay and like fighting mechanics, like play that. Um, and we just bought... Sekiro, which is from the makers of Bloodborne and Dark Souls. Okay. And oh, nice. It, it's not as hard. It's not as Dark Soulsy, mm-hmm. um, but it is pretty challenging. I will say. Nice. I've, I've rage quit a couple of times already, um, but I'm gonna give it another go. <laughs> <laughs> rage quit is my middle name. Like. I just- <laughs> I get to a point where I just, I'm like on this level, I'm like maybe 80% of the way through the game and I just can't get it. I'm like, well, I guess oh, I'm never going to finish this. And then I start I, something else. I did that with Spider-Man. I, I think I did oh, get man. about like 75 yeah. or so percent and I, I'm stuck in a battle with two of the villains. I forget now uh, which ones mm. and it's, I just can't get through that battle. So I have, I've put that game down and I haven't picked it up in like two months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Been there. Um, Awesome. Well, I will link those in the show notes and also check some out because I, uh, I'm, I'm reading 
uh, Armada right now by Ernest mm-hmm. Klein, and it makes me want to play video games. Um, oh, we should yeah. have a separate conversation about uh, Ready Player One. I have a lot of feelings about that book yes. slash movie. Oh man, look for the B sides for that one later yeah. for, uh, for everybody who's listening. Um, <laughs> all right, as we as we wrap up, uh, do you have any trade secrets for us? You gave us so much great information, oh, wow. but do you have any trade secrets for us? Honestly. Go online and see if there's a WordCamp near you. If if this is the, the industry that you're in, any sort of coding, web design, anything like that. Um, even if you're a freelancer and would like to attend a freelancer workshop, if, if the one near you has one, um, it's a fantastic community. It's a fantastic event. It's extremely affordable um, and you get a lot of value out of it. Um, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. But um I think my my Twitter and stuff is going to be linked as well. So yeah. I tweet. I try to tweet more recently. I haven't. I hadn't been tweeting very much before WordCamp. I'm going to try to tweet more, and I will be tweeting out a lot of like resources and cool stuff that I find. So excellent. And on that note, where can people find you? Awesome. Yeah, people can find me at pixelglowwebdesign.com, all one word. And uh, my Twitter is Ali underscore Nimmons. It's like Simmons, but with an N instead of an S. Thanks so much to Allie for joining me today. I really appreciate not only her coming on the show, but her opening up and getting personal in a way that I think is going to be beneficial for the audience. Um, and it certainly helped we, uh, with my perspective and the way I look at things. Um, I love her trade secret uh, to see if there's a word camp near you. There likely is. And that really helps you get into the community. And, and I know that that for a lot of people who work remotely or are freelancers, it could be a little bit lonely. And uh, word camps certainly help that. So uh, thanks so much to Allie again for her time. My question of the week for you is uh, what really makes you feel to be a part of the community uh, for whatever community you're in, maybe you're not in the WordPress space, maybe you're in a different community. Uh, what helps you feel a part of that community? Uh, so if you'd like to answer that question, feel free to email me, joe at howibuilt.it or on Twitter at jcasabona. I want to thank our sponsors for this week, Ahoy, Pantheon, and Creator Courses. Definitely check them out. Their support uh, helps the show tremendously. Uh, If you liked this episode, go ahead and share it with somebody. Uh, Maybe somebody needs to hear the things that Ali talked about. uh, And and, uh, maybe they'll find this very helpful. You can find all of the show notes that we talked about over at howibuilt.it slash 128. So once again, thanks so much for listening. Welcome to season seven. And until next time, get out there and build something.